There is a way of entertaining that gives your guests a show, or a good time, or a magnificent array of new taste sensations in their mouths, all of it designed to make you look good. It's a glorified way of showing off. You put on the Ritz for all your acquaintances, and the way the game is played means that at some point they have to invite you back and try to outdo you. You get two fantastic meals for the price of one. But there is another way, the way of hospitality, in which you give yourself. In one world, the gifts are given instead of yourself. In the other world, the world God is fashioning through us, the gifts are tokens or chips that represent something else. And that something else is the giving of the person. Some give gifts so that they don't have to give themselves, like some kind of extortion payment. Others give gifts as a representation of themselves. I said above that we must mortify our internal hospitality bookkeeper, but there I was speaking of our tracking of all our horizontal accounts. We are supposed to give without specific regard for what we might be getting from those we have given to. However, we are supposed to look to God for the return. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. Proverbs 19.17 There are many ways in which the Lord will repay us through this. One of them is the growth of true Christian community. As we extend this kind of love, the kind of love that has our brothers and sisters in our homes without any sense of reciprocal obligation, the Lord is engaged in weaving a tight fabric, the fabric of genuine fellowship, a genuine community, genuine point of view. Selections from How Hospitality Weaves by Douglas Wilson. Well, welcome back to this episode of Bright Hearth. As usual, I am joined by the sounds of my children. Someone's whistling now. Who are now. supposed to be in bed while we record <laughs> and are supposed to be quite calmly and quietly sitting in their beds, and yet someone is walking around the living room whistling. So anyway, we'll probably have, you'll probably hear a hard stop and we'll have to deal with that at some point. But Lexi and I, well, I'm joined by my lovely wife, Lexi. Lexi, how are you doing this evening? <laughs> We're good. <laughs> <laughs> was it a bit of a little bit of an ordeal getting to this moment? Yes, it Just, felt like a million years since we decided we were going to podcast, and now we're podcasting. We are podcasting. One of our one of our little ones, uh, by the name of Psy Guy, has um, been going through some sleep issues, which have resulted in him sleeping currently on the couch in the living room, which he likes because the living room is is such a central location to all manner of delights and the wonders. The birthday cake to the toys to the books about guns. <laughs> everything. So about every three and a half minutes, we go out and we uh, resettle him in his bed. But that's not what we're talking about, is it? No, today we are talking about, I think this is probably our final episode in the kitchen episodes. Mm -hmm. And we're talking finally about what maybe came to your mind first when, when you think about the kitchen, which is hospitality. And we've done an episode on hospitality towards those who are in your kitchen, like your children, guests, and that sort of thing. But we're actually talking about having guests in your home now and feeding them or uh, related hospitality issues and how this really is, as I think Pastor Douglas Wilson put well in our cold open, one of the ways that God weaves the fabric of real koinonia fellowship and community um, in a local church context, through a family, and through churches. So we're going to be talking about feasting, and feasting 
larger gatherings. We're going to be talking about rhythms of life and hospitality, the church as a center of hospitality, and then various different ways of building hospitality traditions. As a young family, uh, and many of us as young families who you may not have like three generations of um, hospitality all formed together, and so we'll be talking about some of those issues. And I want to begin by sharing a quote for you, Lexi, that you actually found for me, but I think it's hilarious, and it's a great way <laughs> to begin this episode. It's from that same article that um, we opened the show with from Douglas Wilson. He says, hospitality, making your guests feel like they're at home, even if you wished they were. <laughs> <laughs> And the reason I think that that quote is so funny to open with is because a lot of the time, hospitality is just, it is hard work. Yeah. Everyone has that sort of a feeling. Yeah. Everyone, <laughs> I mean, you remember, I can't remember where it's from, but there was a joke in some kind of television show at some point where they were like, or maybe it's a meme I've yes, seen go around. Yes, where they like have the banner the that banner says, that's over the, welcome, please leave by nine. Welcome. I think, yeah, please leave by 830. We've all felt that, right? We've all felt that. We've all, you know. Sometimes are harder than others. Some people are harder than others. Exactly, exactly. And so if it's such hard work and if it's so, it can really be uh, difficult and cost, have a high cost to uh, perform hospitality, to to be a house of hospitality, why should we still do it? I mean, why? why are we doing an episode encouraging you to aim to be a, Uh, a center of hospitality in your home. I think more than anything else, hospitality is one of the biggest things that teaches me that my house is not for myself. So I can't just set up patterns that serve me and make my life easier. A lot of my patterns and my household management and my rhythms are bent around having others into my home and being hospitable to others. And those others also include the others under my roof my local people too. Mm -hmm. So, and scripture commands it. So if scripture commands it, there must be some sort of character building that's happening in it. And I like Pastor Yuri has a good um, article called, yeah, I think it's called the necessity of messy homes where he says like, Paul just tells us to be hospitable without any qualifications. It's not be hospitable. If you are really good at Roman food, if you're really good at Asian food, Mm -hmm. just be hospitable. So there's something to that that it means we can't, we need to do it whether or not we have two excuses or 50 excuses. Yeah, and even when you when you think about the biblical data, like the biblical commands towards hospitality, we have commands like in Hebrews that we're to be hospitable to strangers, and, and he, the, the author of Hebrews even says that some have entertained angels unawares as they do that. We have commands, uh, you know, towards elders, qualifications for elders in the church. And whenever you see a qualification for an elder, you can basically understand that these qualifications are like the elder is supposed to be almost like the pitch pipe, right? That's setting the pitch or the tune for the congregation, where everybody is supposed to be ringing in harmony with the life of the elder in the way that Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, the pattern of life of the elder ought to be able to be imitated by the people and have a good culture result. So when you see commands like you do in 1 Timothy 3, verse 2, that an elder must be given to hospitality, or in Titus 1, 8, that an elder must be a lover of hospitality, then you begin to see that this is something that is a part of 
the biblical conception of, of the ideal man and of the ideal household in the Psalms, and I, I believe it's Psalm 128. Yeah, in Psalm 128, when um, the blessed man is being described, he, he's, a, he's blessed partly because his wife is like a fruitful vine around his table, with his children spread around his table like shoots from the vine, and it's like, this is table-centered. It's a table-centered sort of blessing, and it, the blessed man has a table that is joyful, and a table that you would want to be at. So when we're talking about hospitality, I actually think one of the reasons, almost a priori, why we should say hospitality is important is because it, it is a costly gift to give away. It's like most good things over time do cost you. They're not easy things. So I guess I'd like to begin, Lexi, if it's okay with you, and if this sounds good to you, to begin with our Sabbath feasting and talk about how we build hospitality into our week. Because it's like, I think everybody goes, yeah, I want to be hospitable. I really do want to do this. You know, I want to be better at it. Most people don't need to be convinced that hospitality is a good thing. But I think a lot of times they practically just don't necessarily know how. And so one of the things that I think gives you the spine or gives you the backbone in the week to plan and then be able to invite people into, I guess number one would be the non-negotiable of the dinner table being the the center of the evening, every evening that's possible, and then also our Sabbath feasting. You mean like everyday good family habits? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly, because if you if you have... One of the things that I think I underestimated when, when it talks about an elder being given a hospitality is that if your daily rhythms would make it easy for somebody to be just brought into that. Yeah. Like strangers, you know, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you need to entertain and it's not like we're going to now do something we don't ever do. Well, no, if you're like, no, come into this thing we do every night, which is get to our dinner table, mm. eat yeah. together. And so, so... I think hospitality does begin. It reminds with me the of that table. story Eric told about his friend who was what? What did he call it? I had never heard of it before, but like family integrated worship. And Eric was trying to stay at a hotel, and he was like, "No, no, you're just you're gonna come do family stuff with us." Oh yeah, when he visited, <laughs> he was like, "No, no, just come to my house." Yeah, you're I thought staying that here. was really cool. Yeah. So how do we, you know, structure our our daily? This is kind of obvious stuff, but how do we structure our day so that we're saying? This house is a house that has a table that is central. I think I have to set up my daily habits so that most of my workload is done first thing in the morning so that if we do have unexpected hospitality or, I mean, we just have very regular run-of-the-mill hospitality that isn't super fancy schmancy. That means a lot of my work has to be done in the morning so that I can be present for those sort of things. And that's definitely not to say... I have work to do when we have people over, but I just, I have to be able to have that time set aside if we need it for unexpected hospitality. For example, this morning when I woke up, I didn't know my parents were coming over tonight. Yeah, (laughs) I was going to bring that up. I thought it was an example. (laughs) Yeah. So, and I felt extremely overwhelmed waking up this morning without knowing that already. And so if you have some good household management rhythms, habits, yeah, tools in place, then it can make this a little bit easier. And I think we're in a season of life where we don't practice 
typical hospitality. We do. I mean, like we have friends coming over Friday night for taco dinner, but, but it's not the typical like Sunday dinner party Sabbath feast. Like I used to wish it was all the time because we have different needs on both sides of the extended family. Um, we have different needs within the church that you and I can meet uniquely hospitably that not the average family in the church could meet simply by the fact that you are the pastor and not every male Mm -hmm. in the church is. And so, um, I have different Titus two opportunities that cause the hospitality to look very different. So I guess what I'm trying to say is we're in a season where I have had to have really, really good daily rhythms in order to make hospitality happen almost every other day, a lot of weeks of the year. Yeah, yeah. So in some ways, because it isn't the fancy sit-down meal where everyone had a cute place setting and, you know, three different desserts, it feels less like hospitality. But I've had to learn that it's just as important, if not more so, to be able to invite people into all of these other areas. Yeah, and I think this is one of those, we've talked in this season about recovering the lost arts of domesticity and the productive mm-hmm. Christian household. Yeah, And biblically speaking, when hospitality is mentioned, like when Paul's talking about hospitality as a qualification for an elder, he's not first in context, and especially culturally, envisioning a, a kind of very fancy hospitality, necessarily. No. He's not necessarily talking about the kind of hospitality that is extravagant and over-the-top where everything is curated, and it's like you can yeah. take an Instagram photo of every place setting, and that's wonderful. Yeah, we're like, not against on that. On a range, and we'll get to that, actually, in this episode. We're going to talk about that kind of hospitality. Paul's literally talking about hospitality to strangers. Yeah. Well, where Christians come through your 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 town traveling, and they didn't necessarily have hotels or inns everywhere, and so a lot of the time, people would show up, and you would need to take care of them. And that did two things. It either showed love for the saints, as fellow brothers mm-hmm. and sisters came through, or it gave you opportunity to reach out with the love yeah. of Christ to a stranger who might yeah. not know Christ, and you're welcoming them into your home. You're praying you know, over your meal, thanking the Lord Jesus Christ for it. So I think the first principle that we'd want to establish is that our aim is to have households where the kitchen and the table are a regular part of our daily rhythm. So that inviting people in all of a sudden shouldn't be Mm-mm. necessarily something we were like, oh, well, I I only have one one course. We need seven more courses if we're gonna have somebody come over. It's like, no, 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 no. That's if if you if you have that daily rhythm established, then having an unexpected guest it's is like not, yeah, so not hard really to think a big about. deal. And, yeah. and you can be a diva in your own heart. And be like, oh, but they're not going to be impressed. Well, who cares? It's not about you. It's about giving yourself to people uh, and and serving people with that rhythm. I remember once Rachel Jankovic always says to pray that, like, when you're feeling inadequate for hospitality, pray that God would make you what that person needs, not what you want them. That's really good. And I I thought about that once when. We were having a dessert night over here, and there was a young airman that showed up unexpectedly really early who had thought it was dinner. <laughs> oh, yeah. And because we were doing dessert, I had made a really simple dinner of scrambled eggs and sourdough toast. Yeah. And I felt so 
bad yeah. that that's all we had for him and that it was the last minute. And he felt bad because he didn't realize it wasn't dinner. But he was so thankful that he got hot scrambled eggs and homemade bread. And I just remember thinking <laughs> it was so humbling for me to be like, that's not what I would have served you. But but it just, I don't, he made some comment about like, it just feels like home or something. And I was like, yeah. okay, thank you, Lord. Like, this is what this poor, you know, probably homesick airman needed was just some mama to make him dinner you know (laughs) and the reality is if you're doing it so one of the things that i think is um you know this quote that's that's been helpful to me to both understand your my own life but also like to have an aim is i think i think the quote is something like authority flows to those who take responsibility or Mm. responsibility it's something about Basically, if you go and take responsibility and you're doing something diligently and you're ordering your life well, what happens is, on the one hand, you get more duties. Yeah. <laughs> people, people, to who much is given. Yeah, people rely on you more and depend on you more, and there are more people. And it's a good thing because you get stronger as you lift more, you know, so this principle of like even working out. But also, then, gravitas and authority comes with that as you fulfill those duties well. Hospitality is like that, where to the degree that you're growing as a mature Christian family, you should expect for people to kind of flow towards your home because yeah. it's an attractive place. Yeah. People should want to be there and people should be like, I don't know what I'm doing, but they seem to know a little bit more than me at least. So yeah. like, how can I get to that dinner table? Yeah. And, and, and so you should expect this is what I'm saying. If you're aiming for maturity in your life over time, you should just expect that you're going to have demands on your dinner table and demands on your home and your hospitality. And you should receive those as a blessing from God. That's a mm-hmm. confirmation. It's like the father's patting you on the back and saying, that's the way I think of it. good job. Right. And yeah. now here's some more work. Yeah. But it's, it's good. It's good work because you're serving real people. You really are making hospitality can make a huge difference in people. I mean, I think of yeah. some, there's a young a, a a man I I know actually I'll just tell you who it is it's our headmaster Kevin Love, and he's talked quite a bit about a professor, in his in his who, who's very important in his life, um, and I think it was at the Air Force Academy mm-hmm. this professor that was just like opened his life to him, mm-hmm. and you know I can tell you that that exercise of hospitality and generosity towards our headmaster earlier in his life when he was a very young man is now bearing dividends yeah. in children and families in our church. Yeah. And that guy had no idea that he was going to make those kinds of impacts. But, you know, you really are when you think about when you're in that hard hospitality situation or you're tired and you don't feel like you have any more to give, you know, one of the ways that I think you can you can lean into the difficulty is by looking to the blessing and think like, wow, I really am loving more than just the person in front of me. I'm also loving all of the people that are going to be helped by this person being helped and, and served. So hospitality is going to begin. And and I think it's important that we start with this very blue collar, very almost rustic, just ordinary rhythms of life principle and say that if you're not like super hospitable or you want to grow in this, don't necessarily start by throwing a dinner party for 50 with eight courses. Try to build rhythms into your life daily 
where your table always is is just a place where the family gets together with food and start maybe inviting a few people in or one person maybe in. Maybe the way we should talk about this too is don't think about hospitality as an event, but truly as a habit. And that's really good. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's also built on the other habits of your life, like habits yeah. where you're, it's like, yeah, we put food on the table every every dinner, every 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. There's food on the table for the people that God's giving me. That's hospitality to your children and your husband. And But then, you know, all of a sudden, could you invite people in the church who are... Um, and, and especially, I want to note this. There was a, a passage um, that I think is... I'm, I'm pulling it up here. There's a passage where Jesus is talking about how to show hospitality and to whom you should show hospitality in Luke 14 and he says essentially when you make a feast and then he lists all these people you should call you should invite he says the the lame the maimed the poor and you'll be blessed because they can't pay you back so when you're thinking about hospitality and when you're building a life of hospitality that's not necessarily all eight course meals but it's just good food served with love and you know, peace around a table that's full of thankfulness to Christ every day, then you can start thinking, is there somebody on the fringes of my church family, maybe, who is absolutely not likely to be invited for their good conversational ability or... Social awareness <laughs> or... And you all know who these people are in your church. <laughs> if you don't know them, then you are this person. And <laughs> the rest of us know it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but there oh, are. Man. I'm thinking there's specifically we 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 pa- I pass our church that's in the middle of a of a city, and not a huge city. Ogden is like a hundred thousand people, and then maybe two hundred thousand in the surrounding area, fully two or three hundred thousand. One thing that means though is that we do have people who are in poverty. We have people who are on you know all of the government assistance programs with genuine problems, like health problems, genuine sometimes mental problems, um, like almost homeless sometimes, that go to all the churches in the area and know every event through the week <laughs> because it's the potluck where they're going to get dinner and, yeah. it's, and it's the Sunday morning where they're going to be able to go and have coffee and mm-hmm. whatever the treats are that we put out on Sunday morning. And I just remember that there was a family in our church in a situation like that, not they weren't in this situation, but they were showing hospitality to someone on the fringes in this kind of situation. <laughs> and um, it just, the, I mean, they were, they were telling like some of the situations that they had found themselves in through their friendship with, with um, some of these folks on the fringes. And they were just like, you know, no social awareness, no. absolutely no social graces. Like, hey, you know, I don't really like this dinner. Do this is what I want you a- to make me. <laughs> and the thing is. This is why this person is one of my closest friends, because they are one of the most hospitable people I've ever met it. in my life. Yes. And you know what? And I know she doesn't care that I say this. She knows I love her. She's not like a fancy no. hospitality person. And that's what makes her amazing is because she's willing to see a need. Yes and to smile cheerfully and, and to meet it. it and her husband is the same he's yes, the guy that would yep. give, give you literally would give you and that's what's cool about the two of them is they're they're willing to i don't know they're willing to just serve they've always Absolutely. been very servant-hearted and a family like that in a church 
Oh yeah, can absolutely blow the the, the backbone of, of a church. Yeah. So I meant that in a good way. That didn't sound good, <laughs> but. Yeah, I think of the impact of this, just this one family. And, we, and there are multiple families in the church that have this kind of heart for hospitality. Well, and you think if, if you have someone that comes like that into your home and you're being fussy about your hospitality, she could have easily have said like, well, that wasn't on the menu until two weeks from now. Mm-hmm. How dare you? And that's not what <laughs> she did. that cheese for a recipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not what she did. And this person is still willing to go to her with their yes, needs. Yes, yes absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's just, we're laughing because there's there are so many. If you befriend people like this, again, the Lord doesn't let you get away with just giving the gift once, and then they're satisfied. And yeah. You give the gift, and it makes them yeah. keep coming. <laughs> so this is the thing. If you are going to be a stingy, grouchy, hospitality sort of person, yeah. Where you're just like, meh, I know I have to give this, but I'm gonna do it with a, as I'm gonna let everybody know how much I'm giving. Well, then don't even do it. Just don't bother. But if you give with love, first of all, where generosity is given, more generosity will be required down the road. But, but the other thing is, the Lord will recompense, the Lord will pay you back. These are the promises of scripture that when you give to the people that cannot give back to you, when you even, you know, even people who aren't necessarily on the fringes, when you invite the young, poor couple that's like just newly married, they have two kids, they're early in their career, you know, he's early in his career, he doesn't make a lot of money, they, you know they're not going to be like invi- inviting you over for ribeyes the next week, you know, or maybe like you're, it's difficult to have people in your home. The father is the one who says, I will reward you. The Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus speaks of that relentlessly in the Sermon on the Mount. So the challenge for all of us, and there's a challenge for us too, we have five kids, This is we're, and we'll talk about our season of life, and the season of life many of you are in, and some of the challenges with it, that you shouldn't um, kill your family either, and you need, to, you need to make sure that you are taking care of your immediate, you know, work your way out in concentric circles. But the challenge to all of us is, why not all aim to be that couple? Yeah. Or to be that table in the church where the fringes are fed, the people on the fringes, and the people in the in the middle, you know, everybody, where people just go, man, it is a blessing to go to that house. Not only be, not just because they they feed us food and it's and they they obviously care about giving you, you know, you should care about the quality of the food on your table and giving people, you know, even if it's simple, putting your love into it, but saying these people actually love us, and they they want to give us themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. If all of us aim to do that, then the thing is, the burden is spread, and the church is a place of joy. the The catch twenty two is, and this can happen to people who are really hospitality minded, is they can get absolutely crushed sometimes. You know, I've known families. There was another family that moved for work, but. They were just a pillar family when they were here, and it was like almost nightly that mm-hmm. there were people at their house. And I remember them having to take like a week or two off sometimes and go, "We really need a night." But again, the 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 responsibility flowed to them as they took the responsibility mm-hmm. on themselves. It's definitely uh, the kind of thing that will actually bear eternal dividends. I think even more than any other ministry I can think of that we've ever had at refuge some of the like the hospitality in homes that is not organized 
first by the church really is the backbone of the community. Mm, yes. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So working our way out here a little bit, that's like daily rhythms. One of the things that we've done in varying forms through daily, weekly, monthly rhythms is to try and have at least one meal every week on our Sunday afternoon that is set aside to be a time when it's like we are going to pour a thimble of wine for the for the you know the, the kid to to sip on and try. We are going to make the dessert and even this sounds silly but like we've even set a rule where 99% of the time we don't take dessert away as a <laughs> as a punishment for um children who are naughty <laughs> during our Sabbath feast because you know, sometimes we do. It's like, hey, you were grouchy all day. I'm sorry. One of the consequences is no dessert after dinner tonight. But on our Sabbath feast day, we almost never take away dessert. You know, it's a grace day. Not that we encourage naughtiness on Sabbath feast day, but no. this is another rhythm of our life. Maybe you can speak to it a little bit more. And it's one that at different times we've had more people in our house. Sometimes it's just our family. But it's another one of these rhythms that I think could be very helpful to start to build in some uh, hospitality. On Sundays? Yeah, on Sundays. We do it on Sundays. Yeah. we. So when we were feeling more convicted about this, I mean, we've always done hospitality once a week. We did that for years and years, even when we lived in our tiny condo, tiny, tiny condo, we still had people over. So it's possible if it's like if it becomes a priority your life orients around it i don't know how else to describe it yeah. and i always understood like as brian's help me it was part of my job to keep him qualified and one of the qualifications for an elder is hospitality so we started becoming more convicted though about like the celebratory aspect of it if that makes sense like being not just meeting a need because you hear there's a sad couple in the church and they're going through a struggle and you can, you know, encourage them. But like we're going to regularly feast and, and throw a party. That's kind of a different kind of hospitality, I feel like. So we started doing that um, several years ago now, but it was just really hard because we found like we would invite over one couple or like people we didn't know very well because that was another way I was trying to use it to meet all of the new people at church. And then it was just awkward. Like it's really hard sometimes to talk to new people and not everybody is a, and I don't know, hopefully this well, isn't offensive, but it's true. Not everybody is a good guest. So not, we were finding out a lot of people don't even know how to have a conversation. You know, like the person where you say, so uh, tell me about yourself. What do you do? And they say, Oh, I, I'm an accountant. Yeah. And so we were, and <laughs> do, I do had, you do, do you like, do you have any hobbies? I yes. had just had Daphne too. And so we got into multiple situations where it was like really hard conversation. I was having to leave the room and leave it all up to Brian to go put a newborn down multiple times. And we were just like, we want to do this, but this is not working. And there was another pastor in our church that they were finding similar sort of situations were happening to them. And Brian and him were like, hey, what if our family just kind of like teams up and blitz all the work down the middle sort of a thing. So we did that for a while where we were trading off hospitality on Sundays. And it was so cool because it was much easier to, like we already had two families between the two of us. It was agreed upon between like the wives and husbands. Like we're, we're going a little more in on all the food together. We're doing, you know, multiple sides, multiple appetizers. Um, and it was immediately more enjoyful, more enjoying. Enjoy Enjoyable. Enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make a priority t-shirt that just sleep. says enjoyful. 
it was more enjoyable. <laughs> and it was less awkward because there were multiple adults able to share the load of like, you know, care, being hospitable in conversation. Yeah. So then we moved and lived in my parents' basement for a year. <laughs> that did it. While we, while, it wasn't because I was being a deadbeat. No, just, no, no, just no. Just a no. heads up. Yes. We were building a house <laughs> and my parents were being hospitable. Yes. <laughs> and letting us live there. And, um, I, I think honestly, Amelia probably took on, we hosted a house church at the church and Amelia took on a lot of the Sunday Sabbath for us at that point. And then she had another baby and I got pregnant, (laughs) which happens. And, and, um, our families just kind of started doing our own things again at that point. Yeah. We have, so since Cyril was born, he's number four of five. We have not consistently had people over on Sundays But a lot of that is also because in that time period, my grandma came to live here for a little bit. Brian's grandma came here to live for a little bit. We started thinking differently about Titus II opportunities and hospitality with singles and young girls. And Sabbath is definitely still a priority for our extended family and our children. But we realized that there were other hospitality needs that we needed to meet in the church in different ways, like I've already alluded to. Yeah. So, and part of that is also that, um, I was thinking about this earlier. We now go to church earlier than we ever have because of Sunday school. So as a family, we're all there longer than we ever have. And it's just a very physically taxing day for us. So then to come home and to have people here late into the night, it just would be very very hard for us to get started on our week. We Brian's day off used to be Monday, so it was kind of a no big deal thing, but it with school now, it's really it's just really hard if we start off on the wrong foot. Now Saturday's my day off because yeah. I'm obviously in in yeah. the building during the school week helping with chapel Monday through Friday, and then I'm also on Sunday, so. So we do have our regular, you know, we know who comes over on a regular basis. We know about extended family. We try to, you know, invite them over semi-regularly or they just, you know, show up too, which is totally fine. When you and I do our interval plans every six weeks, we do try to sit down and say like, how can we tweak this and make this better? Should we be inviting X people over more for this? Is this just not the season for that? So we are regularly revisiting it. Yeah, Sabbath feast is a way that we, again, build into our week a rhythm where we can invite people into it because we're doing it already. Yes. It's not something that we're only doing if other people are there. So yeah. It's another rhythm like dinner table. And like Lexi alluded to, when we're saying like we found other hospitality in Titus two opportunities, one of the things I think people get stuck in and thinking that they, maybe they like, I can't do hospitality or I, I, it, it doesn't only look like inviting a whole family over for an evening meal. Mm-mm. Hospitality also looks like I know how to make sourdough bread, and there are three young women at the church that would love to know how to do that. And so I'm going to do the harder thing than doing it just by myself. I'm going to invite three people in and teach them how to do it. And then we're going to make grilled cheese sandwiches for dinner. Yes. <laughs> A lot of the time, what we found is that our hospitality is growing more and more hands-on welcome into our life. Let's do something together. And then and then the expect- somehow just the tone is different when you do it that way. You know, not that we never invite people over just for dinner. But, yeah, we do. We but do that. The tone too. is different when it's like, hey, let's can some cherry jam and figure out that and then we'll eat a eat a meal together. It's almost like the pressure is off for everyone yeah, in a yeah. way. 
or um, other, you know, and there are, there are masculine equivalents too, where some hospitality is um, cultivating male-only and female-only friendship and spaces where you can invite young, you know, for me it's like there are things that I do just with other men that we can invite other men into doing, like there's like some some guys play poker at our church, some guys will drink scotch and kind of like compare notes about what their favorite whiskeys are, that sort of thing. Um, There are all sorts of different hospitality opportunities that aren't just dinner parties that are, I think, very helpful to invite people into and and basically expand your hospitality horizons a little bit more so that you can actually like do some of that Titus too. Older men teaching the younger men, older women teaching the younger women how to do some, you know, learn some skills, grow in friendship. And, um, but one, one other thing I would add to that, um, non-standard, non-dinner party only hospitality things that we found to be very successful is that we've tried to make the church be the center of hospitality as well, a center of hospitality in a few strategic ways where there actually is a sense in which every single week or at least every Tuesday except the last Tuesday of the month, I have spearheaded hosting a really hospitality forward event that we it's the Psalms thing. Every yeah. Tuesday evening. Our entire church could have dinner together once yeah. a week if they wanted. We invite everybody in the whole church to the church because we couldn't fit them in our house. We've done it at our house once. Um but we invite them to the church. We have a potluck where there's um Ben Garrett, who's my deacon, he helps organize this as well. And so we have a potluck thing every week. Everybody brings just some food, some side dish, main dish, dessert, whatever. We eat 6 to 6.45. We hang out in the basement of the church and eat. And then we all go up from 6.45 to 7.30. And it's like a hard end. We end, we end at 7.30 because so, there's kids involved. Uh, and we sing psalms. We work on learning the Contus Christi 2020, our hymnal, in four parts. Most of us never have done this until a couple years ago. So we're learning this skill and it's like every single week we are at the dinner table as a church. Mm-hmm. So there are things like that that you can... Anyone another, could do that in a church anywhere. Yeah. Another one that we do through the summer is, again, like Sunday evenings, it would be really hard for us just because of the physicality of Sunday for Lexi with five kids in the service while I'm doing everything else, me preaching and getting up really early and preparing still. And it's just a physical day for us. So when the weather's nice, mainly through the summer, we, most Sundays, we get together at the park. We have an open invite. The park is walk, one of the parks are walking distance from our house. And we just say, anybody in the church who wants to come hang out at this park at this time, some of the guys will throw a Frisbee around. There's a playground for the kids. Everybody hangs out and talks for as long as you want to stay, but everyone can leave. It's not like you get stuck with someone in your house till 10 o'clock on a Mm. Sunday evening with school looming the next day. And I think part of it too is just taking advantage of the rhythms of the year. Like hospitality really can be hard in wintertime because a lot of us have a lot of children and it can be really hard having a lot of children in homes. And so not that you just want to make that the excuse and never do it, but really monopolize on your summertime. Yes. <laughs> like absolutely. I understand summer is just going to be busier hospitality wise because that makes sense on so many. It's an yep. easy time to learn skills. It's an easy time to have kids over. It's an easy time to be outside and have barbecues. Just lean into the seasons of the year also. 
Yeah, and even another thing our church does that has just been a blessing, even though I'm generally not at it, and you'll see why when I explain it, there's a little chat group, and some of the ladies, any lady can pretty much say any time in the week, I'm going to be at this park with my oh, kids. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any moms who are free and it's not nap times, come join me. Come hang out. Yeah. And so, like, almost all year round, because even when it's bad weather, even, even in the Yeah, winter, we even do stuff in the winter, sledding and stuff. Sledding or... Because moms have these rowdy little kiddos that they... <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's winter. They The kiddos are going to They need be, to be out. So... They get together, and then the moms get to fellowship. They get to talk. It's like if you only think of hospitality as a dinner party, it's it can, it certainly can be that. But you really limit the creativity of your thinking. Hospitality is really how can I invite somebody in to share something meaningful with me mm-hmm. and give myself to them in love to encourage and exhort them and just to sharpen one another and and be a mutual encouragement. And and so some of those guys on the fringes that I'm I've mentioned like people who are on the fringes, socially awkward, maybe all kinds of issues. And every church has them because the church is a hospital in some ways. If you start doing these kinds of things, trust me, those those folks are at all of our barbecues, all of our church feasts, all of our psalm sings, and we love having that opportunity as well to be able to serve people and and not have to. Um, have it be a huge thing that one family bears the whole burden of. You just said hospital, <laughs> and it reminded me mm-hmm. of the the friend we mentioned earlier who's really hospitable. Yeah. And how she had that out-of-town guest who got oh, really sick yeah. on her. That was a bummer. And But I was. it made me think. So there was an out of, out-of-town guest that was visiting the church, was staying with this family that we already mentioned, and he got very sick while he was here and actually had to extend his stay because he was so sick, and she was taking care of him, and he was throwing his guts up in her house. Yeah. And I, But I was thinking, as you were talking, I was thinking about how like most of our hospitality should be prepared enough that if that happened... Like we need to at least have a category for that is what I'm trying to say, yes, I guess. Yes, absolutely. And you know, if you only have the fancy silverware out, you probably won't get on your hands and knees and clean up someone else's puke that you just met 10 hours ago. Right. You'll be like, uh, <laughs> can't do leave. that. No, no, this, and we should, we should be willing to, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's like, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. That's love of, how, how would you want to be taken care of if you were in a strange place and all of a sudden you got violently ill? You'd want someone to be like, let me take care of you. Let me love you. <laughs> let me wipe up your puke <laughs> and uh, not let you just feel like a burden. And a lot of the time, that's what, it, like, what is the secret sauce of hospitality? The secret sauce of hospitality is the host. It's the person who clearly, like, love takes an interest in the other. It's the person who, is eager to ask questions and say, who is this person in front of me? What makes them tick? Where did they come from? What do they what do they like to do? What is their life like? How can we take care of them? And just taking an interest in somebody in the way that you'd want somebody to take an interest in you. And that can be done in a million different contexts. So, you know, wherever you're at, whether it's like you've got the 400-square-foot studio apartment and you're single and you don't know, you're like, well, I can't do the dinner party thing. Well, figure out where you can jump in. Can you organize some gathering at your church? Can you invite somebody into what you're already doing in your life for fun? We had friends that always invited people for picnic dinners. They would provide 
dinners and we've had people do the same for us actually where you know we all have a lot of kids they say let's just meet at a park instead and i'll bring dinner for all of us that's anybody can do that (laughs) yeah and honestly guys like that is such an underrated idea for hospitality because it's like so much of the pressure goes away you're like oh the house doesn't have to be perfect the the pigeons are going to eat the food (laughs) that gets dropped on the floor you know it's like think outside the box and ask yourself and and this is i guess this will be my last like practical tip from our church but we've done these hangout kind of model thing where we said instead of the church elders trying to plan out every social thing that would edify the church we've we've basically made a system where anybody in the church can volunteer to just invite people into some activity they're already doing like if they like chess or rock climbing or whatever it is they can just start a, a group and it's not a bible study it's literally just I like to do this thing. People could do a Bible study if yeah, that's and, what they wanted to do. Host. They do a book club. Some yeah. of them do that kind of thing. But it's literally like the built on the principle that friendship and hospitality will actually cultivate spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. Not just we're not brains on a stick. We're not USB drives plugged into computer hard drives that say like, you know, here's some spiritual information. Now grow. We really do need friendship and we need mutual edification and and love. We're family. And so families do things together they enjoy. So yes, feast people have those special times of year. Mm-hmm. Ha- throw throw the dinner party a few times a year, once a year. Have the family traditions. Cultivate the thick joys of Christmas morning, Lexi's making cinnamon rolls. And Christmas Eve, after Christmas Eve service, we're making the you know special nachos that we make every year. And creamy Italian sodas and cultivate those family traditions, invite people into them, go the extra mile. There's a family in our church that's done like that literally, you know, they connect with a friend who's a French chef and they've done like eight course meals and invited people over and just thrown a feast and they can do that. Do that. But think practically in the day, in the week, in the month with your church how you can grow as a center of hospitality in your home, how you can take all of the arts that we've been talking about in the kitchen and growing in excellence and inviting people into those and give them away. Give them away for the sake of loving your neighbor, loving your your brother and sister in your church. And what happens when consistently a lot of people are doing this in a local church is absolutely glorious. Mm-hmm. It is what life is made of. It is deeply attractive it's something our world does not know how to do. Yeah. They don't know how to do this. Friendship is a lost art. Hospitality is a lost art. And so the church, this is the way attractional ministry is done right, in my opinion, is in building a thick culture that people would want to be a part of. In the same way that like sitcoms and television shows build fake versions of that, and they're like, oh, I wish I had friends like on the show Friends, or I wish I had friends like on The Office. You know, I wish I had that kind of thing. It's like build these thick cultures where there are all five senses, you know, get involved and and have the opportunity to see beauty and to feast all the way down to eating a ham and cheese sandwich at the park with the kids. And the Lord will bless you richly in that. And here's the thing, guys, you will never be able to outgive what the Father can recompense you for. So give to the fringes, invite the person in who will never pay you back, And may the Lord bless you in it.
And thanks for listening in on this episode of Bright Hearth. We're thankful that you've shared your time with us. Uh, as a reminder, there is actually twice as much Bright Hearth out there available in the world. Uh, we, we do a special patron-exclusive show called In the Kitchen, where we share a lot of practical resources, book lists, things like that. That's available on our Patreon channel, um, which you can find a link in the description for that. And also, we uh, do give away some sweet Feed the Patriarchy sort of swag and merch there via our Patreon channel. So we appreciate the support. Help uh, You guys really help make this show possible. And um, we're thankful again for your time that you've shared with us. And we hope that the Lord blesses you this week as you pursue productive Christian households and recovering the lost arts of domesticity and homemaking. God bless you. Thank you.